Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Hello and welcome back everybody to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog. Just checking in here up top to let you know that you have found part two of the Dead or Alive album by album series. Uh, for those of you that listened to the episode last week, thank you very much. Part one was a blast to put together and came out great. Um, actually, it's one of my best performing episodes ever, so thank you to all those that have listened. And if you're tuning in to hear part two, thank you so much. This is going to be a lot of fun. We cover uh, Fan the Flame part one to Fan the Flame part two today and some of Pete's uh, solo singles here. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Thanks again to Brian and Sarah for joining me. It was super, super awesome to have them on the show. I always love talking to them. So enough of me talking here up top. Uh, here it is, Dead or Alive, Album by Album, Part 2. in Japan only Fan the Flame Part 1 
Hey, you uh, have a real copy. That's I awesome. do. This was um, this was my Christmas gift to myself last year. I paid a lot of money for this. What did uh, you pay? Um, I think like uh, 40, 50 bucks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, one of the most expensive CDs, like it's up there with like Linda Ronstadt's Get Closer and Prince's uh, Black Album and expensive CDs I own. Um, but uh, this is the other one I was kind of referring to that I'm, I paid a lot of money for this, but I'm not a super huge fan mm. of it. Um, it's a lot. It, Pete seems a little laid back here. It's still a dancey pop album, but it almost feels sleepy at times. Usually a Dead or Alive album, even new, just jumps out at you and demands you pay attention to it. This one kind of meanders and it drags a little bit. It feels like that. There's a few songs I like on here that I'll talk about later, but to me, this is kind of a kind of a weird album in their, their catalog. Like it kind of feels a little tossed off. Pete's voice is kind of thinner here. And I don't know, it, it seems a little disengaged to me, but it's the weird thing I will say is, I, and it might just be because I paid 40 or 50 bucks for it. I keep trying to love this thing. I keep going back and revisiting it. Um, <laughs> but not, usually not, nothing really hits me like the two songs I'm going to talk about later. But yeah, Fan the Flame part one, not much to say. Uh, Sarah, what do you think of this one? Oh, yeah, I feel you. This this one is a little bit rough, tough to get through. Um, it's interesting because I know later versions of, of some of these songs and um, was reintroduced to these recently when you were playing them, Brian, because I and I'm glad you did because I kind of forgot the these original versions and these the versions of this, the songs on this album are a lot I have sweeter than the later versions. But boy, listening to this album straight through, everything starts to blend together. Um, it's it's really a tough listen to just go through one song after another. As as difficult as it as it was for Nude. I think it's even more so on uh, Fan the Flame. It it just it's that mid tempo, very um, bland kind of production. Um, early '90s, which is not my favorite musical <laughs> era either. I know Brian's going to probably talk about that too. Um, yeah, and they changed the direction again, right? They you know they they sound a little they sound different from even from Nude. They're they're really I don't know if they're just lost or or what they're doing here, um, but this is definitely not a favorite of mine. I like the fact that you said the sound of this album is sleepy because I actually have fallen asleep listening to this album. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, which should not happen during a Dead or Alive album. Yeah. Um, so this this one is a little bit more influenced by the house music scene. Okay. And which is is kind of ironic because they fought against that for a while. I know that SAW wanted them to sort of write in a more house music friendly vein for Mad, Bad and Dangerous to Know and the band refused to. So years later they decide to do it and uh, the results are less than impressive. This is easily my least favorite Dead or Alive album and luckily I only paid $5.99 <laughs> many, many years ago in the 90s when I found it at a used CD shop at the outlet malls at Hershey, Pennsylvania, right in the shadow of the big Hershey roller coaster. There was this section of outlet stores. And I forget if I was there with you, Sarah, or if I was there with my mom and like my family. Um, but I was bored out of my mind. And there was this little corner music shop that when you walked in, it was kind of deep to go into the store, but it was very narrow and it was only there for a very short amount of time. And I just started going through the used CDs and I see Dead or Alive fan the flame. I had no idea what it was. I'd never heard of it. 
and it was $5.99. I bought it and instantly just retreated to the car where I tried to read the the notes. <laughs> There's a booklet in there that's all Japanese, right? Yep. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not going to understand any of this. But then there were, behind it, there was another book. And uh, so I've always been glad that I have it. And I, I really was excited when I found it. And paying six bucks for it was pretty cool. But uh, I have probably only listened to this album the whole way through three times in my life. Wow. Yeah. And wow. one of them was, was just two days ago. <laughs> I can't believe I've listened to this thing more than you have. <laughs> <laughs> well, you paid more. So I guess there's yeah. a yeah. good reason for that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, <laughs> He's listened I, to it $5.99 worth. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that you found it in the wild so early, like that is insane i know and and hershey pennsylvania right it's not exactly the mecca of dance music either right yeah it's crazy yeah so so weird so the band at this point was pete and steve and a guy named uh pete oxendale oh yeah and so i've I've always sort of been curious about him so i did go out and look he's he's actually like this old dude now you know all all the people from these 80s and 90s albums are old dudes, but but he's very he's older and looks very distinguished. And he and his family seem to be um, like the sort of person you would hire if you were going to sue somebody. If you were going to sue George Harrison for writing a song that sounds like your hit, you would get Pete to go to court and testify how the songs are the same. Oh, he's like I think they call him like a music um, musicologist. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what he does. But back in the day, he played with a lot of bands. I just took some notes. He played with Ian Hunter, Sparks, Krista Berg, John Fox, and Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Wow. Various times. And so for this, he was uh, a keyboardist and uh, a very influential on the songwriting. Yeah. Not not a lot. That, that's really interesting. And he, I think even in the book, like, yeah, he credits him in the book as being like a big part of this album. Doesn't he say something crazy like that? He was doing an ex. He being Pete, he was doing an exercise where he was trying to write seven songs a day every Sunday or something like that. Yeah, yeah, he that 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 is in here. Yeah, he which is insane to me. (laughs) (laughs) I read it, and I at first I was sure like he was saying he was trying to write seven songs a week, and then every Sunday like go through them all. But then I reread it, and I'm like, that's not what he's saying. He's saying seven songs every Sunday. Wow, that's weird. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. and that would explain the quality of some of these. these <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, I I will go through my my very few highlights I have. Um, I I do like the opener. Your sweetness is my weakness. Not a bad song. Um, Unhappy birthday is fine, but I prefer it on the next album. I think it's improved there. It doesn't drag. Um, the real winner for me though is Blue Christmas. It's that time of year Christmas coming on and waiting for New Year And I'm on my own Don't know what I did wrong But you're not coming home For those who live for Christmas time Like lots of people do is a new kind for you my blue christmas for those who live for christmas time 
singing is kind of subdued and he comes across as very vulnerable and honest it's like it's it's not he's not doing a cover of the elvis song it's an original he wrote and christmas isn't an easy time of the year for some people and you kind of really feel for him when you hear it i think it's a really interesting unique track in the dead or alive catalog because of that so i do love that i love it when it comes on it, it, it's kind of what probably makes me sit through the CD sometimes because I know I'm going to get to that and I'm just going to be impressed by his his singing there and his emoting. But other than that, uh, I don't know. And then I met you is okay, but the rest of it, I, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't I couldn't sing you a note of some of these songs of most of these. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like I'm looking at this the word lucky day right now, and I can't remember for the life of me what that song sounds like. Yeah, yep. I, I don't remember. No idea. It's sad. Yeah, yeah I, I feel the same way. But this this album is just it's kind of hard to get through. But but I don't feel the same way about Blue Christmas. I'm much more com, um, familiar with the the later version, the remix. This to me sounds like a demo. This sounds to me like he was just you know by himself and recorded this and they're like well we need a song to put on the album let's just put it on like but that's just because of my familiarity with the the other version i have an interesting take on that i'll get to you later okay (laughs) yeah yeah because i i think they're two i'll I'll get into it later but to me they're two sides of the same coin i'll explain interesting brian so what's your highlight it's it's funny. My highlight actually probably is Blue Christmas now that you mention it. But that song, it, it being a Christmas song, it sounds so drastically different than everything else. And it's the very last thing. I didn't even consider it like as my favorite track. But in truth, it probably is because I, I have like a mixed CD of all my favorite pop Christmas songs that I play over and over each year at the holidays. And that's on there because I love it. But um, from my notes, I said, that, you know, my favorite pop song on this album would be your sweetness is your weakness, which I think is actually is a good song. But I also sort of feel like whatever the first song on the album is would probably be my favorite just because that's what I've heard the most. I mean, I, I, I've i tried to play this a number of times and I get a couple songs into it and it wears on me and I turn it off. But it does get off to a pretty good start. But, um, you know, I like it. The video is, is kind of boring. The song is a little too long, much like everything on here. I think like the average, I don't know. I just sort of glanced at the yeah. song lengths. I didn't do this mathematically, but it looks like the the average length of a song on here is probably around six minutes and 15 Ooh. seconds. And yeah. that's too long. It's all of these songs are too long. <laughs> gone too long. So yeah. Gone on too long, maybe. Exactly. Oh and, my God, and, yes. And um, uh, so these songs, at the heart of them must be good because uh, 
we're going to hear a couple of these songs again on the next album and they're much much better i really enjoy them but here on this album they're kind of boring so my favorite of the first and the last i guess yeah well here's pete again people ask me why i decided to go go from dance music to fan of the flame but you know there's no such thing as dance music there's just music you put a beat to that's danceable i just thought i would like to do something different we did a great show for the fan the flame tour it was dance, but we had ballet dancers and video projections of roses on fire. It was sound and vision, but someone decided that it wasn't suitable material to turn into Frank Sinatra, and I and it just kind of sabotaged the album. Hmm. There we go. I think what he's referring <laughs> to there is uh, Barbara Streisand was going to record Total Stranger, and she changed her mind last minute. So okay. So that, I think that I think Lon- didn't they say in their London beat? The band, the '90s band London Beat sings background vocals on "Total Stranger." That was kind of interesting. Yeah, in a '90s boring kind of way. Yeah, I must have that is yeah. true. That is true. Interesting. Yeah, "Fan the Flame" Part One. Nah, it is what it is. Nah. It, that that go to that like if if you're if you are intrigued about what you're hearing about today, go to that one last. Like once, <laughs> and even even then, I'm gonna say stream it first. <laughs> um, go to YouTube. Um, yep. But, yeah. However, things are about to look up. So Dead or Alive, this is where I get a little confused. It seems like, and I could be wrong, There's, they kind of implode for a second. And Pete does a single with Glam, and then he releases a song under the name Crisis. But then on October 21st, 1995, in Japan, and in 1998, in the U.S., we got Nucleopatra. album a lot um i think this is a fun fun album um it's different it's very 90s and dancey but the personality of pete and the aggressiveness and fun of pete and the soul of dead or alive shines through here this is a great great album so fun uh, maybe a little long um and too many remixes of you spin me um i don't think we need those two but they're on here um, pete didn't but- think so either but I I adore this album. Um, I would put this up with the the Saw stuff. This is a great great record. Brian, what do you think of Nucleopatra? Uh, Nucleopatra. I was working at a record shop myself at the time that this was released. So each month I would look at the catalog of imports that were available, and that was always dangerous. Even though I did get a discount from working there, and that's where I saw that Dead or Alive was back with Nucleopatra. So I was so excited. Ordered that that CD, and so I have the Japanese version with the really ugly blue cover, and um, I was I was so into it that I overlooked I was able to overlook the fact that only about two thirds of the album is actually new material that a lot of it is remixed older songs, and um, 
when I listen to it now, it does sound very, very 90s. But at the time, when I was in the middle of the 90s, it just sounded awesome to me. I was I saw this as a huge step forward uh, back to to being the dead or alive that I loved after the last two albums. And this is still one that I can put on and and pretty much listen to it the whole way through and enjoy it. Yeah, this one, um, it's it is kind of like a I won't say a return to form, but it's kind of a little more uh, more like what we want at least what I want from, from dead or alive. It's interesting though. We think about the fact that the last album that, that none of us were saying anything good about was the last album of all new original material. And then from here on out, we're just going to get kind of retreads and mixed in with a few new songs here and there. Um, having said that, I think this is still a stronger album than fan the flame part one. And I would easily listen to this one and have listened to this one more times than, than I would on, the end the flame there's there's a lot of good songs on it and i think the the reimaginings of the songs from fan the flame that we find on here are um are better versions they're both amazing i think yeah absolutely gone too long and and unhappy birthday sound uh, sound fantastic on here yeah yeah I, I will also say i know we're not doing top tracks yet but my favorite dead or alive song is on here we'll get to that in a minute oh, oh wow. awesome oh i can't yeah. wait to find yeah. out what I, it is. I love this album so much um it's interesting that this album kind of like has that trajectory of like, it took so long to get to the U S and then one thing I've learned in doing my research about these bands, I've gotten into like these eighties new wave bands is that there was that kind of eighties resurgence in the U S towards the late nineties, like culture club came back. And I know you guys have talked yeah. about that human league, Howard Jones culture club tour. I think that was the lineup. Right. Uh, so that was definitely a fit. Definitely. A, probably helped this album a bit, probably, you know, well, the wedding singer was out too in 1998, and of course, oh, yeah. Dead or Alive song is featured in that. I'm sure that had a little something to do with it as well. Yeah, so like everybody just kind of became aware that they were a thing again. So I think that was a a, a big big deal. Um, but yeah, one thing I want to touch on before we get to top tracks, there's two covers on here, which is interesting. We get um, picture this, the Blondie cover, and we get. Uh, David Bowie's Rebel Rebel. Thoughts on the two covers? Yeah. Um, Picture this is a funny cover to do, um, but I get it. You know, <laughs> it's a good one for him because he's talking about taking a shower. <laughs> it seems like a Pete <laughs> thing to do, you know, talking about my finest hour, what, you know, showering. But um, I, I certainly like Rebel Rebel um, a lot. I think I've, of the two covers, I prefer Rebel Rebel just because that's a perfect Pete song. You're not sure if you're a boy or a girl. I mean, my gosh, that's that's Pete right there, right? Um, but they're both they're both good. I enjoy them both. The Rebel Rebel is the song that was released as uh, Crisis International Crisis. International, and I I yeah. think I may be wrong, but I think Crisis was Steve Coy was involved with. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think it was Pete and Steve. Um, and then they remixed it for this album. It's funny because not only did they cover David Bowie, Pete wrote an additional oh. verse, like new lyrics for it, and he asked David Bowie like do you care if we do this? And and David Bowie wrote back and said, I would actually prefer if you did not, did not do that. Like, like not only, like, not don't. only don't add your new verse, but don't cover my song. And uh, they went ahead and did it anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not surprised by that. Cause I feel like this is like when Bowie was prime time, like he'd just done the sound and vision tour. Like I want to move on. Like, I don't want to be tied to the past. I am nineties Bowie. Now I am, I'm afraid of Americans. Right. Uh, Hello, Space Boy. I am a scary industrial rocker with orange hair. 
<laughs> That's right. Yep. And uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I always liked Blondie, but I think at the time this came out, I really only knew the greatest hits. Like now I have every Blondie album and we've seen them a bunch of times. And I know I know a lot about Blondie, but I, I may not have known that was a, a cover when I first got the album. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it just sort of, and it fits really well. I think it sounds good um, amongst the Dead or Alive songs. Yeah, yeah, I think both covers are great, but my favorite of the two is Rebel Rebel because uh, that's it's not my favorite Bowie song, but it's in the top five. And like you said, Sarah, perfect song for Pete to be singing, just perfect. highlights uh i think the title track is wonderful uh it's about reincarnation and it fits pete's character perfectly and just some crazy lyrics there i love international thing that sounds like classic dead or alive to me uh on happy birthday is great i like sleep with you but my favorite song my favorite dead or alive song sex drive sex drive is incredible it's catchy it's i love the double on entendre in it you know get out of my get out of your car and get under my wheels 
it's perfect. And it kind of calls back to like glam a little bit. I know Pete was a fan of glam rock. Pete was a fan of Alice Cooper. So under my wheels, I think like the connection there. Um, and I just, I play that song so much. I, I love turning that song up and playing it loud and driving fast to it. So yeah, Sex Drive is going to be my pick here. I adore that song and I love this album. I remember back in 1992, I went to New York City. I forget who, I think I went with my friend Jeff who worked with me at the record store and we were bumming around the village record shopping. And I went into a place that had a Roger Taylor picture disc for the song Happiness, the 12 inch off of his Happiness album. And I turned around, I, I grabbed the Roger Taylor because I was obsessed with Queen. Well, that was 94 then. 94. And I turned around and on the other side of the room that I didn't notice because I was focused on Roger Taylor was a 12 inch single for Glam featuring Pete Burns, Sex Drive. And I had no clue what that was. I was like, what the F is that? And to this day, it's the best picture of Pete ever taken, in my opinion. The cover of that 12 inch is amazing. He looks so sexy. And uh, so I got the vinyl that day and I love that original version. Um, I love the, the version on Nucleopatra, but my go-to version is still that original glam version. And I, I, I guess they actually are like an Italian dance band. But when you look at it on the back cover, there's a picture of Pete with some dudes who look like they were old enough to be Pete's dad. And and they also look like they're Photoshop. I, I don't even think Photoshop was a thing, but they look fake. They look like they're not really in the picture. So I was super confused as to what glam was. But was like a that, real thing. that would make sense if they were old and they were called glam. Like maybe they were a glam band back in the day in the seventies. And they were like still trying to put out hits and they wanted some, you know, younger person to, to help with that. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But that was, that was even bigger for my dead or alive love than finding a fan to flame was just finding this record that I didn't know existed. Uh, that's, that's one of my favorite songs as well. I don't have it as my favorite song in this album because I didn't consider the songs that already existed, but that's top five Pete Burns performance for me. Did you see that uh, on YouTube? Did you see that performance that he did? Uh, it's outside somewhere on like a really big stage around the time of probably, it was probably from 94, 95. Yep. Yep. I saw that. Yeah, I love watching that one. That's a that was a great performance. So good, so so good. So, what was your favorite on here? Sex Who me? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, oh, I interrupted yeah. him. I didn't say what mine was because I was busy interrupting him. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, if you want to know what my favorite is, uh, so yeah, so I didn't go with any songs that previously had been released. Um, I love Nucleopatra. I really love his performance on it. Is awesome. The way the words just spill out of his mouth saying you look like a woman, but you're obviously a man I was. It, it's it's great. But I have to go with International Thing. If, if I'm going to exclude Sex Drive, I'm going to have to go with International Thing, which I thought was a very Dead or Alive in spirit song. It sounds updated, but it still has the energy and the attitude of Dead or Alive. And we're going to learn when we get Fan the Flame Part 2 in 2021 that International Thing is actually sort of a rewritten version of a song from that would have been on that album.
know, I didn't know that at the time. So since I've spent most of my life considering it brand new, um, I, I'm going to go with that song as my, my favorite one on the album. Nice. Yeah, that I agree with you. Um, my love. Is I mean, taller. how how. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. My love is taller than the Empire State. Your love is deeper than Geneva Lake. I want you. You want me international thing that's dead or alive that's classic yep. <laughs> it is yeah those those lyrics are perfect and i wrote down as good examples you hold my dreams inside your jeans <laughs> <laughs> and it takes years to get your pants that tight only stars shine so bright <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i know oh my god those lyrics are wonderful and yeah i would say the same thing that this is my favorite kind of new song on the album international thing um, back on Fan the Flame, I don't, I don't know if I mentioned it, but, but Gone Too Long would be my favorite on there. And I'm, I'm not sure which version I like better. I think because I've heard the new Cleopatra version, um, more, I like that version better, but, uh, I think that's a, another really good song. Um, my second favorite on this one is I'm a star. Cause that's, mm, that's a great one. You know, that's just so classic Pete too, right? You know, he's talking about himself and how awesome he is. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, it's just a good, a good song all, all together. This is a, such a fun album, I think. It's like 25 years old, right? Well, a more. it's, yeah. Um, no, it's like closer to 30 because it was released in uh, Japan in 1995. 1995, so, so it's it, just 28 years. Yeah. I, I love that I've had this album for 28 years, and we were just playing it in the car this week. And when we, we were hearing Gone Too Long and those background singers go, party, party. I just started cracking up. Yeah. It's so funny <laughs> it, that these... Yeah, twenty twenty girl background singers are just singing the word party. Yeah, yeah, but it's it it's so campy and so delightful. It is. That's awesome. Yeah, I I think I think this is a this is a fine album. Um, and definitely, like I said, it's like I'd say get I'd say get Mad Bad, get Youthquake, and then get this one because just incredible. So so much good stuff here. Um, That's good advice. Yep. I, uh, yeah. Pete didn't give me too much to work with in the book, book with this one. He's more <laughs> focused on the individual songs, but I will say um, 
I thought that that the record was great, and and I ad libbed over a lot of backing tracks. The track "Nucleopatra" was about reincarnation, because it was a combination of nuclear, meaning bomb, and patra, which is kind of slang for Peter. Nucleopatra, that's me, but I love the words. I saw an advertisement in a magazine, so I came to see you and find out who you'd be. And you said I was queen. I love those lyrics, king of the shemale race. So yeah, that's that's basically his analysis of the album. He talks about the Blondie cover as well and how he's a big Debbie Harry fan, but yeah, great record, great, great record. I could do without the the uh, Spin Me remixes and maybe it gets a little bit long at the end, perhaps a little one note at the end, but it's still like, I, I feel like you're rewarded listening to the album. Like the, the, the stuff that's good on there outweighs the stuff that's kind of middle of the road. I don't know about your track listing. My Japanese version doesn't have those You Spin Me remixes. But by the time you get to the end of it, the last song in the Japanese version is Sex Drive. And while it does sort of wane a little bit at the end, that pulls you right back. Having that be the last song, it's a, a great way to end the album. Yeah, that's probably a better way to do it. Sex Drive is track two on here. Um, oh, wow. And tra track three is the first Spin Me remix. <laughs> so you get that super early in the album. And then the last Spin Me remix is track 14. And then track 15 is another remix, but it's of Sex Drive. It's the Scream-driven mix. Okay. So, yeah. But, yeah, I got the Cleopatra version. So hopefully they, they've right. been doing a lot of vinyl reissues. If they issued this on vinyl, I would buy it. <laughs> nice. In a heartbeat. But fun album. Um, last real full like we got another record, got a few more records to talk about, but I'd say like that's the last uh, put together. I know there was some previously released stuff on there, but that was really meant to be an album. Mm -hmm. um, this next one uh, released September 27th, 2000 in Japan only. Fragile. of some new tracks um i think we got like six new tracks here five or six new tracks and we got some re-recorded and reimagined songs i have not had this one too long i've been looking for a copy that was under 100 bucks for a long time and I oh only, wow i only found one a couple weeks ago and got it 
Uh, I paid 18 bucks for this somehow. I, I got, oh, I got, awesome. I got really lucky. Um, and it's in pristine condition. Awesome. So I haven't spent as much time with this one as I have with the others, but after having listened to this one quite a bit these past few days and in the car yesterday, it's a fun listen. It's a fun, fascinating listen. I don't think any of the re-recordings or remixes are better than the originals, but I think some of the new songs are really great and it never feels boring to me. It's a, it's a fun listen. So I do recommend this album, but I wouldn't call it like the first thing you should go to. You should learn the originals first. And one of the new songs on here, I think stands, it stands up there with like the best dead or alive songs. It's up there with sex drive. It's up there with brand new lover, but yeah, fascinating album. Great album cover. Uh, Sarah, what do you think of fragile? Okay. Yeah, this is, I mean, they call this a remix album, right? So it's mostly retreads remixes of songs that we already know. Um, there are a few new tracks on here, which I, I actually like all of them. And I like the, um, I like their cover of even better than the real thing. I think that's a lot of fun. Some of the remixes on here, I don't like too well. I don't like the uh, super auto-tuned voice, which I know that was a big thing back then. And I I just like, oh, Pete, you you have such a good voice. I know this is fun, but let's just hear your real voice. I don't, I don't like that as much. So, but my favorite, um, this is tough because I like, I like all the new tracks on here. So I think my favorite would be I Paralyze. because that is just such a fun <laughs> song oh my gosh i just think that that's just oh i love it so it, it's hard because they're all very very close together to me as far as how much i like them all but you know if something's got to be first second and third so that's where i would put them nice brian what do you think this is my go-to dead or alive album to listen to if i'm gonna listen if i want to hear dead or alive this is the one i grab i, I love this record um what happened the reason they did this remix album is that this label i think it's called 
it would be pronounced Avex tracks. Yep. They asked Pete and Steve if they wanted to re-record all of their early albums. And they said, we do not. We do not <laughs> want to re-record our early albums. Uh, so they agreed to do this collection with some re-recordings and some new stuff. So we end up getting five new songs. And like Sarah said, we get the cover of Even Better Than The Real Thing, which had appeared on a Cleopatra Records tribute to U2 that I bought the day it came out because it had the mission and it had Dead or Alive on it. <laughs> uh, so... So I already knew that one, but um, this uh, blew my mind whenever I read in the book that they recorded these new songs in 12 days. That is crazy because they sound so good. Like to me, this is their best new material since Mad, Bad, and Dangerous to Know. Wow. Um, I love these songs. And um, once again, we get a cover that is not awesome, but it's, it's pretty solid. It's it's I, after a sophisticated boom boom. I'm not convinced that our live ever worked with like a graphic artist and photographer who really knew how to fully take advantage of the fact that you're taking a picture of Pete Burns, one of the most impressive and interesting looking people on the planet. Uh, but this one's not too. There's the, the if you open the CD and look at the what would be the back cover to the book there. I think that picture is way better. Would have been a better um, album cover. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Interesting. I like that you said that this is your go-to. I think that's interesting that this is the one you gravitate towards. I'm, I'm curious. I had this thought listening to this album this week. It feels like you can hear the influence of like the the rave scene at the time on this album, I think. Like there's like the song I Paralyze. It sounds almost like the prodigy to me, like Firestarter, oh, uh-huh. Firestarter and Smack My Bitch Up. It sounds like songs like that. So I, I think he was very influenced by that scene at the time i couldn't find anything to confirm that but i hear that in this album and sarah to your point about um uh turn around and count to 10 and the autotune on that one my theory is i know he was a big share fan and share just put out believe at that time so i think that's maybe maybe an homage to share and there's one of the new songs on here even one of the other ones i can't remember which one sounds like something else that would have been on believe as well so I, I had that thought. Even the album cover, this is very, this is a very share. Oh, yeah. What was going on. For sure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But yeah, fascinating album. Okay. Um, Ira, you said that you're a big fan of Isn't It a Pity, which is a great song. It's not my favorite song, but it it's up there. Um, I remember one day we were watching, I wish I wrote down what it was, but we were watching an old movie on TCM. Oh, yes. And halfway through the movie we realized we were watching the movie that they they're sampling the the dialogue um in that song yeah um, with the two women talking about maybe that's why you married him yeah he certainly i I couldn't believe yeah yeah, right so that was really cool and i wish i had written down the name of the movie i'm sure i could google it and find out oh sure but yeah
I'm going to do a favorite uh, favorite new song and favorite uh, remix, re-recording, whatever it is. Um, I before before I do that, is it a pity? Pity. We got to point out some lyrics here. I can't count the number of times my backside has been admired. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, I admired it yesterday. Whenever I was watching the videos, I have to admit. <laughs> yeah. And then I always want roses, but you send me custard pies. <laughs> yes. Yes, I love that line as well. Uh, just classic Pete. Classic. Classic Pete here. Um, my favorite of the new tracks, um, I think Hit and Run Lover is amazing. That is a great song. I can see why it was a single. I can see why I got a music video. Um, I think it's a great Dead or Alive song and worth checking out. It, it, that would belong, like if I were to make if I were to make my own definitive collection of Dead or Alive songs, that would be on there. Um, of the remix, uh, re-recordings, um, I really liked something in my house on here. I felt like it was really aggressive. It kind of reminds me of Nine Inch Nails, and I love Nine Inch Nails, so I, I thought the something in my house on here was very cool. It's four o'clock in the morning, and I'm sitting on my bed. but my least favorite is even better than the real thing and in in my in my version of hell they're playing Coldplay and YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If I had to pick my favorite remix on here, I would probably go with Lover Come Back to Me because I like that new part that's in there where they're like Lover Come, come back. back, can you see me yeah. like that? Hey, Lover Come Back to Me. Yeah. I, I really like that. It's catchy. Yeah. That wasn't in any of the mixes or any of the versions of the the original track. You would telephone me Oh, I just can't lose this desperation Won't you bring around a new sensation Baby, you guys have some energy, yeah Come and give that energy to me, yeah Tell you we can have a real good time, yeah favorite sarah i'm going to go with you i really love the song i paralyze which features the aggressive sound that we're going to hear from pete on things like never marry an icon and especially the art it's a very very aggressive song in a different way than dead or alive was aggressive in the mid 80s and it's surprising to me because of how much i love that song i remember at the time of the release of this pete saying something that he he just totally disregards I Paralyze at this point because 
he thinks it could have been a great song, but the record label came and took the tapes away from them before he considered it to be finished. And he said, we could have turned that into something awesome, but we didn't have time. So it's not. Oh, that's frustrating. That one has a, a lyric that I like to intentionally miss here. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> who's <clears throat> who's going to put the bandage on my heart? I like to say who's going to take advantage of my heart instead because <laughs> i think that works really well and it sounds like something that pete might actually say yep very nice so brian yours was uh paralyze and uh leprechaun back sarah what was yours yep yeah my favorite was i paralyze um i didn't pick a favorite remix um ooh, wow i'll pick blue christmas 2000 <laughs> because i like oh, that yeah. version of blue christmas better that That's the one I'm familiar with. two sides of the coin so Indeed. The, the original in my mind that's how pete's really feeling um he's you know just try, he, he's lost someone he's trying to survive the holidays blue christmas 2000 that's the front you put on like like oh i'm okay like everything is shiny and happy and glossy look at the beautiful christmas tree but you got these sad lyrics in the background everything is not okay so I cut, it's kind of like the dichotomy of how you feel inside versus what you put out on the outside. So I think the two, the songs are kind of like, it's like mirror, like the new version is a mirror image of the old one. I like so, it. Yeah, that's really good. That's how I look at that one. But fragile. I'm definitely going to be giving this one more listen because I think it's fun. I think it's an interesting listen. Um, don't start here, but when, when you get when you get to the rest of the stuff and before definitely before Fan the Flame part one, Give this a try. This there's some fun stuff here, and this is really like the last new release that isn't a greatest hits collection that we get in Pete's and Steve's lifetime. This is uh, uh we'll talk about a post posthumous album here in a second, but first we got a few uh, few singles um, that we got throughout the 2000s. The 2000s we kind of move into you could call it Pete's wild years. He does <laughs> he does Big Brother um and kind of becomes like you said sarah he becomes this british tv personality um and just over the top and he's done a lot more plastic surgery some of it did some damage to him i know his lips had a lot of issues and you read it in the book the plastic surgery stuff but some of it just sounds brutal 
what he went through. Just absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, so it, the 2000s are an interesting time for Pete, but unfortunately he didn't yield us a lot of music. But we did get, on June 7th, 2004, we got this wonderful, grimy little number called Jack and Jill Party with the Pet Shop Boys. This is something I only started listening to and prep for this, but uh, I thought it was a fun, fun release. It wasn't what quite what I expected. I think Pet Shop Boys, I kind of think shiny, poppy. This is a little, this is like a grimy song. This is kind of like got a little like aggressive electronic sound to it. So, but I think it's a cool track. Um, it's funny in the book, Pete says like he liked doing it, but um, he kind of wishes that Dead or Alive had given him a ballad to sing because he wanted to do something different. Um, but I would love to hear a full, like, Pete Burns, Pet Shop Boys collab album. That would have been something really cool, I think. I think they could have made something really special. But it's, 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 a, cool, it's a cool song I did, and I cautiously Googled what Jack and Jill Party was in incognito mode and was relieved that it was not something dirty. Like, I was thinking it was. No, it is. <laughs> oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> you must have been to the wrong, you must have been on the wrong website. Okay, so what I read is a Jack and Jill party is like a party you throw if you're raising money for a wedding. Huh? Oh. Okay, so so uh, I had this other thought because shout out to my friend Drew who's been on the podcast before. She's hilarious. Uh, she she had this this poem. Drew is trans, by the way. Uh, Jack and Jill went up the hill so Jack could lick her candy, but but Jack got shot and a mouthful of cock because Jill's real name was Randy. <laughs> So I was wondering <laughs> if it was anything like that. So, Brian, what is a Jack and Jill party? Um, trying to remember. It's something to do where where you have gay men and gay women. You invite them to a party where everybody is free to watch other people have sex or sort of swap, I guess. Uh, you, it's It just sort of sounds like an a invitation to do whatever you want. If I recall correctly, I haven't looked at, I didn't look it up for the episode, but I remember looking it up at the time because I had never heard the term. Uh, so I think it's something like that. It's just, it's like a free for all yeah. in a, in a space that is intended to be used that way. The rainbow orgy. Yeah, I believe so. Okay. 
if I'm wrong about that, send your emails uh, to the slide dog. <laughs> Actually, send it to John at the Hustle Podcast. <laughs> Sorry, John. Yes. <laughs> That's um, good advice. Yeah, I don't want any weird links. <laughs> um, but yeah, what do you think of the song, Brian? Um, the song is... I, I love the thought of the song more than I love the actual song because it's two of my favorite acts of all time getting together. And it's not what I wanted from those two acts together. It's uh, the Pet Shop Boys write about it. They they reissued most of their CDs in a series called Further Listening. And they come with um, bonus CDs and very excellent liner notes, like thick booklets where they talk about every song. And they mentioned that this song was sort of written at the end of the Electro Clash period, where they sort of hopped on board Electro Clash a little too late, I think they imply. And that's when they wrote this song. They decided to work with Pete on it. And I don't know, this song doesn't sound like either of those artists to me. I mean, I, I was, I'm very excited that I have like the original vinyl. Ah. It's, I think it was hard to get. It's on the Pet Shop Boys label called Old English Vinyl. And I think it was only available for a short amount of time, but I did grab one. Uh, so it's cool to have a copy of it, but I don't play it very much. And um, the words were were cool. I mean, the lyrics, Pete changed some of the words to suit his personality. The Pet Shop Boys mentioned that he came in and, and just sort of altered some of the lyrics to be more Pete, which I kind of get a kick out of. But like I said, it's it's not one that I go to very often. I don't hate it. Yeah, I'm I'm a, of a similar mindset. It's It's fine. I'm glad they did it. Um, it's cool that they got together. I think it would have been, it's sort of, but it's almost like, um, wow, what, what else could they have done? And, you know, they could have done something that sounded a little bit more like them, um, either one of them. Yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's not quite, not quite what I wanted from them, but I'll take it. You know, I'm not going to say, oh, forget it. This is terrible. It's just, it's not, um, it's not a go-to song. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I'll, I, I feel you guys. It's it's not a go-to, but it's interesting. And I'll take anything I can get from Pete Burns at this point. Um, this next one is interesting to me because it rem it sounds to me, Never Marry an Icon, released September 7th, 2010. music at the time like there was this like electro pop scene that was kind of it was like kind of in the emo rock world but it was like dancier it was stuff like cobra starship and jeffree star and it kind of reminds me of this song uh 
it's it's weird. I couldn't find out much about it other than it was produced by Jody Disco, but I like it. The vocals are super auto tuned, but it's super Pete. It's it's a very very Pete song. Um, so I like Never Very an Icon. What do you think, Sarah? Yeah, and this is another one with the auto tune, but for some reason it doesn't bother me as much in this one. I don't know. I, I still would rather hear Pete sing in real Pete's voice because it's so amazing. But this one, it seems to work better for me. Um, I do love the words of this. It, it, you know, just classic Pete, the ideas and stuff like that. Um, but this is not an era of music that I'm like super um, fond of myself. So again, not not one I'm going to go to. I would probably, I picked this one over Jack and Jill Party for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, and again, I'm glad we have it because you know, this is, this is classic Pete. Um, just not the, quite the style that I'm looking for. I'm showing my age here. Whenever I admit that when you talked about this music scene at this time, the 2010, 2011s, I'd never heard of that scene. And I didn't know those artists that you mentioned. My only understanding of this kind of thing is that I know that in 2011, when the human league released their album Credo, there's a song on there is the second single where Suzanne is totally auto-tuned and it was not because she needed it because it was intention. It was an artistic decision yeah. um, to have the vocal sound like that. And that's where I sort of came to finally understand like, Oh, this is actually a thing. People are using this not because they can't sing, but it's actually a, a something they're intentionally doing. So that's sort of what I assumed uh, the same reason why Pete did it. Um, yeah, information about this song is kind of hard to come by. I know that it was not there was no physical release for it. Um, I know that the Dirty Disco is a pair of DJs, one in London and one in Houston, maybe. Um, and they have a number of top 10 hits with various artists that some I knew, some I didn't. I think they did a very good job with this song. To me, the music's very aggressive sounding. It's very of its time. It's got that auto-tune, but at the heart of it, I love the melody. I think it's a great pop song melody. If you would take this and just play what he's singing on a piano, yeah. I think it's going to sound awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I've always enjoyed the song. I was kind of surprised because I've in my head, I've always assumed that this song came out to take advantage of the fact that he was on that celebrity Big Brother show. But this actually came out like many years later. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. So so I'm not sure. Like, like, I wonder why he just decided at this point to release one song like a. It seemed like he wasn't doing anything that was had him in the public eye and it wasn't promoting anything that was all going to follow. Yeah. But I'm glad we have it. I mean, I love this song. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. Also, I think, uh, Brian, Sarah, you guys would probably enjoy Jeffree Star. He, like Pete, he is a very androgynous guy. He only made music for a short time. He made a couple albums and then now he's more famous in like the, he designs makeup and does stuff like that. He doesn't really do music anymore, but he's very much like Pete. He's very sarcastic and biting and the music is kind of similar in a way, but updated. So I, I think I'll send you a Jeffree Star song when we're done here, but cool. yeah, very interesting. And also I read around this time, Pete announced and then canceled an album called Glampire. There was going to be a tour and there was going to be an album called Glampire. There's actually a track list for this thing online. Um, but then just out of nowhere, a couple months later, Pete said, not happening. So I wonder, oh, I, I wonder, one, how much of it was actually recorded. And if it is, can we get this thing now? Because I, I would very much love to hear a Pete Burns solo album. 
<laughs> well, I think that song, The Art, that you and I were talking about, I think that was recorded in these same sessions. Um, I think it was recorded in like 2009, but then came out with the sophisticated boom box. Oh, yeah. And that's that's with the Dirty Disco as well. So maybe that was one of the songs that was intended to be on that that album. Yeah, I'll have to send you the track list. But uh, that's unfortunately, that's really our last glass gasp of Pete or Dead or Alive related music for a while because October 23rd, 2016, uh, unfortunately due to blood clots that Pete was dealing with for a long time because of his plastic surgery woes, he passed away, unfortunately. And then on May 4th, 2018, we also lost Steve Coy. But yeah, and have they ever said what he died from? I know for I, a long time nobody said anything, and I, I still haven't ever heard. Yeah, I couldn't find anything on how how he died, unfortunately. But before before he passed, he was working on a project that thankfully uh, his wife uh, picked up and continued work on after he passed. And in 2021, we got Fan the Flame Part Two. But before before he passed, he was working on a project that thankfully. Uh, his wife uh, picked up and continued work on after he passed. And in 2021, we got Fan the Flame Part 2. was supposed to come out in the 90s um and i don't really know how much of it was done because there's eight tracks here it's very short but maybe it's because i want more pete burns in my life or maybe it's the fact that it's posthumous and you kind of have that hindsight thing but i actually kind of enjoy this thing i could i i wouldn't call it a perfect album um it's not game changing like like mad bad is or youthquake or even nucleopatra but it's nice to hear these songs. Like I like you were meant for me. I think that's really great. Are you ready to be heartbroken? There, there's some fun stuff here. Brian, what do you think of this one? I was so excited when this came out or when it was announced that it was going to come out. And I, I, I have to admit that I think that if this did come out as planned in the nineties, I would probably have written it off. Like I did fan the flame part one. Yeah. Uh, but 
at this point that I hear it, I know we're not going to get any more new Pete Burns material. I also, and now that I'm older, I'm easier to impress, but like I see movies that are pretty terrible and I'm, I'm entertained by them. And I like, Oh yeah, I like that movie. And I'm not as like back then I, I wanted dead or alive to sound a certain way. And I wasn't open to other sounds. Now I just want some dead or alive. And when I heard these songs they they do a fantastic job of making them sound like 90s music like this sounds like it was <laughs> finished in the 90s and in the 90s i would have hated that but now listening to it i think it's great i get so much enjoyment out of this album i think it's a really fun listen it's only eight songs but so was fan the flame part one so you know it's not like they're ripping us off that's what we should expect from a project called fan the flame and it's just more the fun that is not on Fan the Flame Part 1 is here on Fan the Flame Part 2. How great is the song um, Hurt Me, Do You Want to Hurt Me? Like, yeah. I keep using the word campy, but that may be Pete at his most campy. That And that chorus is impossible to not <laughs> bop your head and sing along with. I mean, every time it comes on, I'm I'm dancing like a lunatic, even if I'm driving my car. was like a very welcome thing and it came out in the middle of uh COVID. it was still COVID was still kind of scary in 2021 if i recall correctly so we hadn't been doing much and all of a sudden we have a treat to look forward to something from dead or alive and so it's also nice for that so this is is one of the best bits of recorded music that i have have purchased in the past few years i'm, I'm so happy that this exists and it's if this is it which it probably is it for dead or alive um in terms of new stuff that we're going to hear. I, I'm really glad that I, I think it goes, they go out on a very nice note, a, a high note. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he's a really big fan of this. Um, I am not so much of a big fan of it. I appreciate it. I'm glad that we have it. It's, you know, again, we, who expected new Pete Burns and who, who expected new dead or live music five years after Pete's passing. And here we got that. And, and it's awesome to have it. But I don't like this one as much as, you know, some of the, the classic stuff. Um, my problem, probably the biggest problem I have is the fact that I know these songs in different versions. You know, I know um, 
international thing more than you were meant for me. And so I still am having trouble, you know, reconciling that also. Um, what's the other one? Oh, I want to be with you and compared to sleep with you. Right. So that one kind of um, just kind of frustrates my brain a little bit. And I, I know the newer, the older, the newer slash older versions. I don't you know. I know the other versions better. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great that we have it. And, uh, as far as my favorites, I'm trying to decide between hurt me. Do you have to hurt me? Um, uh, or tonight? Cause those are both probably my, the strongest songs to me on this album. love comparing if this is going to be the last dead or alive album which face it it probably is it's so much fun to compare the last dead or alive album to the first dead or alive album and just listen to how different this singer became over the evolution of his career that guy who growled through um you make me wanna or, or one of those songs i mean listen to his vocals on um i don't care about your heart Oh right, he's such a smooth singer on that track. It's it just has such a nice sound to it. But who would have thought him capable of it? You know, when you're listening to sophisticated boom boom, so interesting. Yep, yeah. The the, the progression of a, of a band is always interesting when you have when you have you know you have that final bookend. So yeah, that is fascinating. Really really cool release. Um, I recommend going to this one a little later. Um, start obviously start with the early stuff, but it's worth checking out. Um, my pick, I'm going to go with ecstasy. I love the groove on that one. I think it's a great closer. So that's going to be my pick. Strong was there for only me 
Surely you know you took me by surprise When I turned and looked I saw the message in your eyes There you were out on the floor The way you moved only made me watch you more I did not know you had me hypnotized Sounds like the Seinfeld theme song to me. Yeah, I have a little <laughs> trouble with the slap bass in that just because it makes me think of Seinfeld. I love it, though. It, it's very groovy. Yeah, definitely. And, the, you know, the Barry White stuff. But uh, it's, yeah, it just when I hear that, I think, oh, that, that makes me think of Seinfeld. <laughs> what is the deal with Pete Burns? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> I would say my favorite track on the album is I'm going to pick I Don't Care About Your Heart. It's actually a song that um, I think we all we all knew that one. Uh, if you paid attention to Dead or Alive during the Napster era, I think it was fairly easy to find because there was there was some sort of weird cassette called Love Pete or something like that that was that he mm. sold at concerts in the 90s. And it was sort of like a failed attempt. He He and a piano player. Yeah. who seemed to be a disaster. If you hear Pete tell the story, there was something about he was either drunk or he couldn't read music. I, I kind of forget, but they recorded some standards and he also recorded like a piano version of this song. So it's one that, that I had from Napster, not that I ever used Napster guys, but, um, but uh, so it was cool to hear this very nineties sounding um, version of it, it, which is great to me. Like when it comes on, it sounds to me like that band Enigma. Do you remember? Oh that? yeah. 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 It sounds like it could have been on on their album, but uh, it's just a great song. I, I love his vocal performance, and I think credit to C Craig Hardy, the guy who was sort of in charge of putting this record together from whatever tapes existed. Um, I was kind of worried when they said this guy who I'd never heard of, Craig Hardy, was doing it. And as far as I could tell, his only credit was he played some keyboards on Nucleopatra. But I think he did a, a very good job putting this together and making it sound like the album we would have gotten in, say, 1995, if it had come out at the time.
Somewhere that Steve Coy said there were albums unreleased, like plural. Oh, really? So I do wonder if there's more, but like you said, I don't know that we'll get it. I, I think this might be it, but it's a nice, it's a nice last note. It's nice to have. It's a nice package. Um, yes, that's very cool. Yeah, it's very attractive looking. Oh yeah, yeah, this is great. And to kind of bring it all home, um, it's a great catalog of music. Pete's a great character. He just go on YouTube, you'll. Get a sense of who he was you read his book you get a sense of who he was but these so the songs we talk about i think the biggest thing to take away is they hold up they seem fresh uh i'm not one for the word dated just because like to be every era has its style of production every era has its production tricks that they that at the time producers think are the end all be all even i've grown through a few i've seen i've seen pop music change in my lifetime and stuff that was cool when i was in high school that was in pop music is not cool to do anymore so dated to me isn't a word i i i use so to me these songs are fresh they're still catchy i'll put a smile on your face so that's why i wanted to go through this catalog today and those are kind of like my final thoughts you guys got any last notes you want to share well this has just been a, a real treat to to talk with all the with with you guys about all these albums and, and pete in general it's just it's just so much fun um I'm glad that we have so many different types of dead or alive music to listen to. Cause you know, if you like pop music at all, you're probably going to still find something in amongst these albums that you really like. Cause they do really go through quite an evolution, which was a really great name for their greatest hits collection. Wasn't it? Truth. Yep. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you for asking us to do this with you. Dead or Alive has been one of the major bands of my life, and and we've only talked about them on our podcast a few times. One we did Mad Band Dangerous to Know, and we did the Christmas song, I believe, on a Christmas episode. And and partially it's because there's not a ton of information out there on the internet, as we discovered this week. It's if you want to research Dead or Alive, there's not a, a lot of stuff available, but also because it's kind of intimidating to me. I was it took me years to man up and be brave enough to talk about Rio by Duran Duran. And that's sort of how I am with Youthquake. Youthquake is such an important album for me personally that I'm kind of afraid to to tackle it because I'm afraid I'm not going to do it justice. But this was a great format to talk about Dead or Alive. And to just touch on highlights of each thing and go through the whole career, it was a ton of fun. And so I appreciate you asking us uh, to join you. Absolutely. I'm glad to have you guys on here. I love hanging out. I love, I love doing podcasts with you guys. So anytime I can have you on, it's a good thing, but this has been an absolute blast. Um, and I realized we've done this whole thing and I never told you guys why I picked the shirt I picked today. I actually had a reason for this. Oh, okay. So, oh. so I've been looking for a dead or alive shirt now. Um, and my original plan was going to be wear my culture club shirt, but um, I wore that at boy George's birthday. So ah. I was like, I was going to the closet this morning. I'm like, Oh, these guys have a song I, lo I love called sex drive as well. So, Oh, okay. Uh -huh. I've, mm -hmm. I've managed to make a wasp connection for my rock and roll list. <laughs> there How you go. about that? There you go. Um, yeah, but uh, you guys want to plug uh, plug out the Permanent Records podcast before we wrap this up? Oh, sure. Thank you. So uh, Sarah is actually drinking at a Permanent Record podcast mug right now, so I'll I'll jump in here. Uh, so yeah, we are the hosts of the Permanent Record podcast, available at that URL, permanentrecordpodcast.com, or most of your, your podcast apps. And we like to go on and on and on and on and on, as you can tell. On and on 
<laughs> about the music of the 80s. So we talk about Depeche Mode a lot, The Cure, talked about Dead or Alive, uh, Thompson Twins, that kind of stuff. If it's pop music that you remember on your local Top 40 station in the 80s or your dance clubs in the 80s, we, we like to research it and touch on it. So um, if that's your thing, please check us out. We'd love to have you um, give the show a, a shot. Nice. Uh, it, can you guys give me any previews what's coming next? I know you guys did Thompson Twins and we did our we did our collaboration. We did our Depeche Mode review. So well, Yeah, thanks for joining us again with that. That was a lot of fun and we got a lot of good feedback from it. It's It's been a very popular uh, pair of episodes for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you, you mentioned Thompson Twins. We actually do still need to finish talking about Thompson Twins. Um, one more to go. One more episode uh, on the, the Quick Step and Sidekicks album from 1982. And then I don't know what what's next. We never plan ahead. <laughs> like until we finish the Thompson Twins, we can't focus on what we're going to do next. Yeah. That's... So we've got to get that Thompson Twins wrapped up. Yeah. So that should be the next thing out. Well, I can tell you guys what I'm going to do after this episode, because um, I, I, I know you guys are a fan of this band. I'm going to be doing uh, the metal years of Porcupine Tree with Craig. We're gonna oh, no way. We're going to start at uh, In Absentia and go all the way to the new one. Uh, any thoughts you guys would like to like to share that I can take to Craig for that episode? Uh, Mention to Craig that uh, we were at the same, he and me and Sarah, I'm sure I could have said that better. We were all at the same Philadelphia stop on the In Absentia tour. Was it? Yeah, In Absentia or yeah. Blackwing. At the In Absentia Philadelphia show, we were all there at that same show, but only one of the three of us was illegally bootlegging the concert. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Oh, and by, yeah, go check out. Uh, I don't know when the second episode's coming out, but go check out Brian and Craig's uh, James Bond podcast. It's been very educational. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we hope to record the second one soon. We wanted to do one a month, and we were able to keep that schedule for one month. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully, we'll we'll talk about from Russia with love at some some point soon. Yep. Next time, Brian and Craig in Russia from Russia with love. <laughs> <laughs> Da -da -da -da. <laughs> all right well thanks guys this has been an absolute blast uh hang out for a second afterwards till next time i'm the sly dog peace love rock and roll
Thank you for listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.